Hello and welcome to Conversations in Cultural Heritage. This five-episode series from Murbrook School's Mellon Fellowship for Diversity, Inclusion, and Cultural Heritage highlights the background and work of people of color in cultural heritage organizations. We'll talk about different career paths and roles in cultural heritage institutions, sharing a wide range of experiences from people in the field. Visit our website at bit.ly slash chconvos for links and more information. Hi, Jess. Hi. It's so good to meet you. So I guess the first thing that we are going to kick started is basically introduce ourselves. Uh, what is your name and role and what excites you about your work? So um, I'll get started. Okay. So my name is Yuqiao Bridget Tao, and I'm currently the visual literacy librarian and museum educator at University of Delaware's uh, Library Museum and Press. And my work, my position is a split position between the student success and cur- curriculum partnership department in the library, as well as the museum, since the museum is a part of the larger organization. So um, I really do like my responsibilities that lie in both departments equally. It's a 50-50 divide. And what brought me to the uh, RBS Mellon Fellowship is actually the museum side of my work, which really excites me, that I am museum educator. Basically, I plan lead um, and I teach in gallery and in study room classes and I do a lot of outreach to bring in new what we call non-traditional museum users such as language classes and STEAM classes. I'm very excited every time that I go to teach something new whether it's a new artwork or object, a new exhibition or connect something I taught with before to a new course or learning goal. So there's always something new in my work. And I guess knowing that there are so much histories and stories and we can achieve with the cultural heritage materials in the museum in so many different learning experiences and goals make me feel really rewarding in my work. So tell me about you and your work. So my name is Jensen Ortiz. I'm a librarian at the CUNY Dominican Studies Institute Archives and Library. Uh, my role is, is uh, related to providing reference and instruction assistance. I do a series of workshops throughout the year uh, with the chief librarian, Professor Sara Ponte, where we use primary and secondary sources on Dominican studies. I also manage the collection development and donations related to the Dominican library. Um, and I, at times, work as a research assistant on uh, many uh, digital projects and other research projects that the Institute as a whole is conducting throughout the year. Um, what excites me about my role is really working with a diverse audience. I feel like we're an academic library that's also open to the community. And so uh, many times I get to interact with parents and their children that come and visit the library that are curious about learning more about Dominican history and culture. But I also get to uh, work with scholars from different parts of the world that come to consult our collections because they can't find that particular book or newspaper anywhere else uh, except our library. And we're the only institution in the U.S. that's devoted to uh, disseminating and also preserving the Dominican experience in the United States. So it's really a fun place to work. 
Um, I get to do a lot of hands-on work as well in the archives and bring in primary sources for students and also teachers and their students in primary school all the way up to uh, high school. Uh, so we get to expose them to uh, those materials. And that's something that's really fun for me. That sounds amazing. I mean, like your work is a large combination of what's behind the scene and what's like communicating with people, uh, basically like front uh, facing role that like welcoming all users from the campus community and the public. And I'm just wondering, uh, tell us a little bit more about your path and how you got here today. Yeah, so I was an undergraduate student at the City College of New York, finishing my uh, BA in history. And I volunteered after I graduated uh, in 2011 in the summer internship at the library. And uh, I did that for about several months, just really getting to know the the workflow here and really understanding the importance of the work they were doing uh, for the Dominican community, but also the academic side of, of the work as well, figuring out how um, they were facilitating a lot of the academic research that was being done in the field of Dominican studies, but also um, preparing reports and studies on the Dominican community, sort of economic and social status within the city of New York and across the country. And so um, I took a, an interest in maybe applying for my master's in library science about two years after I started volunteering at the library. Um, I took some time really to really make sure that this is something I wanted to do long-term and they were really patient with me. So that was really great to have that sort of uh, guidance and mentorship early on when I was still sort of getting my feet wet and it was not really decided on uh, doing this uh, as a career, you know. So how long have you been in this role? Just curious. Uh, 12 years now. Ooh. Yeah. That's nice. You could yeah. really get the time to know everything in your collection. I know and add to it too, which has been great. I've started so many unique collections, a special collections uh, division within the library, something that I that began really under my tenure here and also um, historic sort of vinyl record collection. That's also something that I've worked on and curated over the last uh, few years. Uh, that's been helpful for other digital projects that the Institute has been implementing on Dominican music. That sounds amazing. Just let alone have a music collection. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we also have very similar roles in terms of exposing uh, students to uh, resources, at least visual materials as well. Can you talk about your role as a visual librarian and how you sort of complement each other in that sense? Yeah. So I'll back up a little bit and talk about yeah. how I get here. So okay. basically... I never really thought about that I would be here, like at the beginning of my like higher education. So this is the third, uh, marching on to my fourth year in this role. I started as the Pauline and Young resident at University of Delaware. And then I just uh, had my role per, uh, become permanent as of January. So right now. And um, but like long before this, I actually started my undergraduate as a psychology major and education minor. And through like my working experience, I sort of learned that I like face-to-face -face communication more than working in a lab with research and data. 
So at least if I didn't find something I like, like you earlier in the time, I found what I didn't like. And <laughs> and I proceed to getting a Master of Art in a liberal studies, a liberal studies degree focusing on education. And it was during that time I had the opportunity to work in the technical service department for special collection at uh, Duke's Rubinstein uh, Rare Book and Manuscript uh, Library. And that sort of prompted me to apply to library school. So I went to UNC Chapel Hill for my library school. And on the second year, I got an internship at the Auckland Museum at UNC Chapel Hill. So like slowly moving forward to the visual side where I worked on the museum databases subject heading while teaching university uh, programs and classes that visit the museum. And that's sort of like how it basically made me become a candidate of this very like unicorn-like um, position that a librarian, but also teaching the museums with visual, uh, visual materials. And those widely different expertise like eventually just lead me here and now that I'm a visual literacy librarian who work with cultural heritage, art, and artifacts in both library and museums. So that's how I got here. And to answer your question of like cultural heritage, how that sort of link to visual literacy work I do and you do, and how what that means to me and what that means to my work. I guess like if we back up, cultural heritage really just means the tangible artifacts that for me are the human created works, either artworks or objects that reflect the historic, artistic, aesthetic, and social significant. And I always think cultural heritage is interesting in the way to document, but also through the artist or the creator's eyes and their like artistic skills that like they use their skill to tell us what they see and what is being sanctified in their own culture, in their own view. So for example, I work a lot with African wood carvings and many of them are like for festival, for ritual works and later on become a part of souvenirs. So like there's a, like it just provide a wide provenance, but also wheels for what we have in the museum. And another example is that we have a lot of Inuit drawings. They're not typical from their culture because like Inuit people like historically produce more carving. And it was through the Canadian government's influence that they started to do drawings. But the material introduced by the Westerners or for them, the Southerners, which is us, reflect the time and also the clash between their traditions and modern colonialism. And specifically in my work, I feel cultural heritage is more of the way by teaching and learning and also engage students with artworks and artifacts to provide this like very unique way of like uh, into an understanding of a culture, of events, or just thinking of the past and the view of the current and the future. So it is a very unique way to create inclusive learning of the diverse culture and societal environment that's surrounding every single student in like on campus. And specifically for my role, uh, my role is built to bridge the nature of the objects or the artworks with the understanding of the work, the history, 
Well, I provide background information and lead learners on the journey to basically tackle the obscured visual information and the hidden information behind their visual inventory. And I'm just here to connect learners from every background, every cultural background and race and gender and cultural upbringings to the cultures that they might never have the opportunity to know. But luckily, we have the artwork or the artifacts. So now they will be a part of that culture and that knowledge as well. So I'm just being talking. I'm talking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was great. I feel like I got a full background on your role and what sort of led you to that. Do you have any sort of key highlighted choices that you've made on your journey to becoming the visual resources and librarian and museum educator that you may remember or you feel like sort of shaped you? Yeah, so like uh, a lot of like the I never thought I want to teach at the beginning. And then it was my internship at Auckland Museum at UNC Chapel Hill that really made me realize that teaching is fun. Teaching and learning and see like the spark in students' eyes when they see something that they'll probably never see in their regular visit or they might never even visit a museum if it's not, if it's not for the class. Really, it's really rewarding. So for example, like when we are tackling some very obscure knowledge, such as artwork that um, related to like colonialism, slavery, and talking about the first-hand account of enslaved people, or artists reflecting back on their ancestor being the uh, enslaved people. And those are the time we not only talk about history, not only talk about their personal connection with the art piece they're looking at, but also to people who might not have the personal connection. We talk about the language and why is it important for us to talk about today. And the other highlight is the Inuit art example that um, I had uh, I experienced at University of Delaware, which I constantly try to go back to that collection and pick one or many from the collection to use as much as possible. Because not only that Inuit drawing are unique to its own uh, material and its own collection and historical significant, but also the culture is so far away from us yet so close. We have we have an indigenous culture in North America in general, and Inuit culture is but a representation of what the institution have, and therefore a form this connection, this bridge of how we can look at, how we can talk about indigenous people's value and their expression of tradition and history. And then we can talk about why is it important to us knowing that all the current event and ongoing event happened to uh, indigenous people in the history and right now. So those are some of the things that really highlighted my experience here and make me certain that I do want to work with cultural heritage, not only right now, but in the future. So how about you? What does cultural heritage mean to you and your work? And what are some of the highlights that you really want to share with us? Yeah, no, thank you. I think for me, it's been really exposing myself to some of the the contributions that Dominicans have made. Uh, I'm also of Dominican descent. I was born in the United States I'm, as an immigrant. My parents who are immigrants, they um, 
really helped me understand that it was important for me to engage or at least um, gain some knowledge of, you know, where they were coming from and their experiences back home in the Dominican Republic. But it wasn't until I got to the Institute and I started seeing some of the academic contributions and, and, and how that really helped shape uh, how Dominicans are perceived uh, in the U.S. And, and one of the things that really stood out for me was, um, in particular, was the Washington Heights uh, riots in 1992, which really played a pivotal role in in shaping the Institute uh, because the riots happened because of a police brutality uh, incident where uh, a young man by the name of Jose Kiko Garcia was killed. And that caused the Dominican community to come out and riot uh, in Washington Heights. This is a neighborhood in upper Manhattan um, that's predominantly Dominican and to this day is still considered uh, a Dominican enclave. And so Dominicans really started uh, clamoring around um, this family's young man. And sort of the reception was that Dominicans were uh, savages, that they didn't know how to conduct themselves in the city, um, even though they've uh, claimed space to this space and really helped revive it and help this community sort of thrive in many instances um, since the 1960s where Dominicans were settling in that particular neighborhood. And so... Uh, the riots really uh, helped push uh, a certain narrative of Dominicans that was negative, and out of that it came the Dominican Studies Institute, which was something positive that helped sort of shift uh, the focus in terms of how Dominicans can now um, reinterpret themselves and their identity in the city and really talk about, you know, their longer experiences going back to the 19th century um, and going like... Um, we really like to discuss here the story of Juan Rodriguez, which is the first known uh, African descendant, uh, first known immigrant to the city of New York uh, in 1613. We talk about Dominicans coming through Ellis Island, which is something that's not really talked or discussed um, in U.S. history textbooks, um, at least people of color coming through Ellis Island. And then we discussed uh, U.S. intervention in the Caribbean in, in the Dominican Republic, uh, first in 1916 to 1924, and then in 1965, um, they invaded as well. So all of this sort of shaped uh, our reception and our experiences at the United States. And this is all something that I've learned through my volunteer work when I started 12 years ago, but also through my work as a librarian and engaging with library users and scholars and people in the community that come to consult some of this material on this history. Uh, and that's really uh, fulfilled me in my personal life and also in my professional work uh, here at the Institute. I think it's just so rewarding that you're not only working with this like invaluable um cultural heritage materials, but also the cultural heritage materials are linked to your own culture. And like through the collection, you can see your own upbringing, see your parents and your ancestors. I think that's something that sort of like missing in my work because um, our institution are now focusing on collecting East Asian artworks. But like that's something that Firstly, if there's an opportunity, I want to, you know, just like sneak in some of the East Asian artworks that we do have. And the other thing I'm trying to do is I believe that 
through through studying any of the um, cultural specific materials, we open the way to have a room for our learners, to for our scholars, for ourselves to talk about all the other cultures and cultural materials that might not be presented in the institution. And with all the incredible things you talk about in your collection and your work, I'm just wondering what impact do you hope your work and amazing collection you're working with will have? Well, I mean, I would like this to have more accessibility. One of the reasons and visibility, one of the reasons why I applied for the Cultural Heritage Fellowship at RBS was because I wanted to expose more of the work that I was doing at the Institute with broader audiences outside of the Dominican community in New York City and outside of the scholars within the Dominican studies field. I feel it's important to try to um, build connections with between other institutions and their collections to see if there's any way we could collaborate and also learn from other librarians and institutions. I think uh, one of the things I would like to have an impact is in that sense, but also to make more of uh, an effort in attending conferences and also writing more papers within the library science field about our collections so we could see more of an impact in terms of the users that come and visit us um, and also um, make these collections accessible in in that, in that sense um, within the library science field. Um, I think we could make some more inroads between um, teachers and their students, you know, exposing them to more primary resources and secondary resources here at the library. Um, curriculum uh, discussions within uh, the New York City so the public school system is always changing and I think there's room for us to continue to make inroads in that area as well so um, that's really where I see uh, more of a, an impact going forward within my role here at the library. That sounds amazing I mean like when you talk about how like the collection you have can affect possibly the curriculum and how it feels in the gaps that people growing up don't really see in their textbook, in their history lessons. I think that's amazing. I think that's that's something that we all here want to achieve working with cultural heritage materials. No, definitely. And how for you, what do you see yourself sort of evolving within your role? So there are a few things that I really hope my work can achieve. And one of the things you already mentioned is the accessibility or more discoverability. We want more both community uh, on campus and also the public to know that we have these free resources that they can use, they can visit, they can um, they can um, they can include as either like education materials possibly visit for school trips or just come to the museum on their own because we are always free and open to both student, faculty, scholars, and the public. And something that I'm really thinking about to bring in what's good in the library to the museum and vice versa is what it means to higher education, how it impacts higher education. Um, I want to see, you know, cultural heritage uh, materials and objects as free education resources that we are out there supporting not just specific curriculum. For example, the Dominican co uh, collection is not just 
supporting this study of history, but there's more. And similar here, I want to think that my work is supporting a wide range of interdisciplinary learning beyond just the college classroom. And the other thing is, I hope to visit to the museum space for students, especially students who never set foot in museums or galleries before, feel the space welcoming. So I I know you heard this before working in special collection that some people walk up to us and they either don't know where is the reading room, where special collection, where is the museum galleries, or they feel like there's so many things hidden behind that wooden door or the glass door that they don't feel comfortable stepping in, and like many people, many students, especially first gen student and first year student. They told me that they feel like museum and art galleries, in many ways, similar to archives and special collections, are sort of behind this huge wall and require special skill and knowledge to be in. And therefore, just thinking about going there make them uncomfortable and unwelcoming. And that is now true. I know, like for you and for me, there is the first time stepping into the space, and maybe you feel as don't belong here. But later on, throughout your work and study, you know that's not true. So I really hope that through my work, people can find、uh, cultural heritage spaces are welcoming and it, indeed is resources and something that everyone could enjoy. And then finally, there is that value of learning from cultural materials. So the value of learn from works and、uh, objects that belong in the cultural heritage group. It's not,、uh, especially for those not, not from your, from like the visitors' culture, history, or knowledge and upbringing. It's specifically important because this heightened inclusiveness of the artwork, but also to our learners and visitors. And throughout my lessons, especially the、uh, teaching and learning session with first-year students, I really highlight empathies in terms of like what do you see and what. You see, make you feel. So if like if the student think that the artwork they're looking at are not from their own culture, or they don't resonate with the people or the event or the scenery they're looking at, at least through their feelings, the empathetic connections, they can feel personally connected to the artwork that they're looking at, and have more interest in learning what they're looking at. And I also want to have the opportunity to open. More student, more learners' eyes, and ask them to reflect from something that they might never thought of before. And I think the most important thing out of what my cult- cultural heritage work means for me is that I want eventually all learners, all scholars, to sit more comfortably within the uncomfortableness. For example, the materials that really tell about colonialism. Talking about slavery and history, talking about the unjust back in the history, and I want people to be able to understand, talk, and perhaps one day they can be in our role and like share and teach the difficult and like the thorny histories that they are looking at, they experience and they learned when they were student. So that's really like my high hope for the impact of my cultural heritage work. Great, I think as we, we sort of begin to wrap up here, I kind of want us to share some advice for individuals who might be considered similar paths.、Um, you could start off, or I could, you know, continue really 
discussing this because I think for me, it's important to find a uh, mentorship early on. Um, I had the, the privilege of having someone who actually attended the same master's program at CUNY Queens College in library science. And so she was able to sort of usher me in and through the process and really uh, help me make some decisions in terms of where I wanted to contribute to the library and what sort of courses I could take to help really uh, apply it to the work that I was doing here at the Institute. So um, if you could find early on folks that could mentor you and really steer you in the right direction of where you want to contribute to this field, whether that's as a, as a librarian or as an archivist or any other uh, sort of information and professional role, I think it's important. I really second that. I think a lot for us, especially BIPOC professionals in the field, is to see someone that like us, that resonate with our experience, that really work in the field and listen to what they think and listen to their advice. So I totally second the mentorship advice. The other thing I want to, uh, is sort of advice for people in library school, people in museum studies, or people interested in special collection archives, wherever you are, you want to pursue this cultural heritage uh, path, is that never fear that something that you're interested in won't be um, needed or won't be valued. Because like me, I took a really long time to find out what I really interested in and what I really want to do. So there's always opportunity. And something that my mentor actually shared with me is that the this like visual literacy position wasn't there when I started library school, but it's there waiting for me. So put all the like um energy and thought into really pursuing what you like. And the opportunity will present itself. And just also remember that there will always be new roles and there will always be roles like this, that like when people's interests shift, when they are more um, thinking about what we can reflect from our cultural heritage materials, that there will be like more need for people like us, like the future you who's listening our conversation to be in uh to be in the larger conversation and profession. So that's like my advice. Well said. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing the amazing work you do, Jason. So nice to talk to you. Thanks to the Rare Book School Mellon Fellowship for funding this project. Remember to visit us at bit.ly slash chconvos 